Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Looking to bet on the NFL this season? There's no better place to wager than betonline.ag. From spreads to totals to player props, you can bet on anything and everything NFL at betonline.ag this season. BetOnline is the official provider of all betting lines used on the TDN Fantasy Podcast and the DraftNetwork.com. Go to betonline.ag and start wagering on the NFL, college football, and so much more right now. TDN Fantasy. The TDN, Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast with your host Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and the producer behind the scenes, Shuby Shub, as Joe Marino so eloquently called him today on the Draft Dudes Podcast. He's also joining us as Jake Arians is in Tampa Bay. Unfortunately for him, had to watch that game live. So Jake will have to listen to this himself, and I'm quite sure you will get all of his reaction and glory on social media. So feel free to follow him at Jake B. Arians because I'm sure he has things to say. We will react to that loss for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers first and foremost with some headlines, guys, coming out of that game and then we'll get into waiver wire pickups for this week and look ahead to Thursday's games. We have three games on Thanksgiving, so we're going to look ahead at those lines early. Three, uh, I was going to say, I'm not even going to, not going to say three good games. We have one good game. We have one decent game. And we have one game that I have no. Well, I'm going to pound the table for the middle game. We'll, yes. we'll get there. Yes. I'm going to pound the, the table the middle, for the, the that, middle that game, game being my, really fun. Yeah, that game is my middle ground game. I like the night game is the good game. The middle game is like, it, it increasingly gets better, right? It's increasingly yeah, gets better as you go along. Look, the, Detroit Houston is a good reason to start drinking early. That's really all that is. <laughs> well, that's that's <laughs> it. Get, get your mimosas out. Get your mighty swells. Get whatever whatever your drink of choice is. Maybe hard liquor, depending if you if you've been a Texans or a Lions fan, you're probably gonna need the hard liquor right away. Uh, whatever you do there, it's a good reason to start drinking early on Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, Detroit. Yeah, both teams uh, giving you enough reason to drink early on. Chris, as the guest of the show, as the producer of the show today, who's gonna be jumping on here more often, and you'll get used to hearing him across the TDN podcasts. What is your headline? coming out of this Monday night football victory for the LA Rams. Paige, you know me. I go big or go home when I'm oh, on boy. podcast. You know what my oh, nickname is. Boy. So if we're going to make our debut, we're doing it in style. The Los yep. Angeles Rams are the best team in the NFC. I am leading the hype train on the Los Angeles Rams. Look, this team, every team in the NFC has flaws and in fairness, the Rams' flaw might be that they have a really bad quarterback, and I understand that. But this is a team that went to a Super Bowl with this quarterback. They can play defense. In prime time, they just beat one of the teams that is supposed to be one of the top teams in the NFC. They're leading the toughest division in football. They've beaten the Seattle Seahawks. Green Bay doesn't scare me. 
Give me the Rams, best team in the NFC. The hype train is back. The hype train is back, ladies and gentlemen. And unfortunately, I can't dunk on him in totality here. Like, I don't – I'm not ready to say what you're saying. I'm, like, dipping my toes in, right? Like, I'm not all the way in, but at this point, I just don't think there's any good team in the NFC. So your guess is as good as mine. Like, I think you can make the argument because how could you not? How could you not watch that football game and say, well, at least they got a shot. I just think, and I know Jamie's going to tee off on this too, Jared Goff will hold this team back. I I just think when it comes down to it, that's what's going to hold this team back. And it might end up holding them back from winning this division when it's all said and done. We don't know yet. And and we still got to get to that point first and foremost. Well, it's takes like that, Chris, that got you Wally pipped on the show in the first place. Um, secondly here, uh, so those, that's a deep cut for, you have to be one of our original listeners for that. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, I ended up supplanting Chris on this show many, a few years back, and I've been going ever since. So uh, go look up Wally Pipped if you're not familiar with the phrase from, from the baseball world. But uh, I don't hate this take, honestly. They're not my pick. I still think the Saints are the best team in the NFC. I think if, especially when Drew Brees will come back. It might not be week 14 or 15 at the earliest, but he will be back at some point. And this team is in a great position now to win that division with already with the tiebreakers over Tampa Bay and another loss by the Bucks on prime time this week. The two losses, I mean, they lost by a touchdown to Green Bay. They lost by 10 to the Raiders early in the year, but they've reeled off, a what, seven straight wins since those mm-hmm. two losses early this season in September. They're looking really good. When Kamara's foot's a little bit more healthy, when Drew Brees comes back, the way that defense has been playing lately, they're going to be my pick right now as the favorite in the NFC. But that that number two team right now, I, I, I'm with Chris. It's wide open, and I think it could very much be the Rams. Like, Do you have that much faith in the Seahawks in that defense, Packers in that defense, the, the, any NFC East? Uh, they just beat the Bucs. Like, I, I think, still think the Cardinals are a year away, so I, I'm, will, I'm willing to buy they're the second best team in the, in the NFC right now. So I'll, I'll give you a little credit for that one. It's a bold take, but I'm not quite there yet. But if they get more good games from Jared Goff, which again, he was pretty erratic in this game, made some great plays, made some terrible plays, which is kind of what you get from him. But I just think that's in the end of the day, that's what's going to hold them back a little bit. I believe in the defense. I believe what Brandon Staley has been able to do with that unit. I Obviously, I love their receivers. I, mm-hmm. I've talked about both of them on the show for years now. They weren't able to run against Tampa because nobody runs against Tampa. I think they'll get right back on track next week. But this NFC is wide open right now. Yeah, they weren't able to run against Tampa, but we knew that going in, and the game plan was prepared to not have to do that, right? They threw a lot, and there was terrible moments for Gerald, Jared Goff, but there were also excellent moments. And and he had he had a lot of good moments in this game. And, and my headline coming out here is, is one of those wide receivers, Jamie, that you talked about. Uh, first and foremost, uh, because I have the opportunity to dunk on my boy, Baron. Uh, thank you so much to Robert Woods, who, as I entered this game, I had a 1% chance on Sleeper to get this victory. And because of his unbelievable 12 receptions, 130 yards, touchdown performance, he gave me a 1.2% victory. I won by 1.2 points, came in with 1%, shot at Robert Woods. A lot of people that have Robert Woods in fantasy are going, thank you so much. Him and Cooper Cup put on an absolute show tonight, and it was spectacular to watch in fantasy. 
Speaking of, and I, I think this is an important shout out that we have to give, uh, and uh, that is to, I'm trying to find where he had the, the, the tweet out there, but that is to, I think it's, it's Jack um, that is in our league that's a listener of the show. Yep. He's the one that way back when uh, we did that Robert Woods for Darren Waller trade um, that I agreed to, thought was a lot closer, and Jay called him an idiot for it. <laughs> Uh, I gotta give him a shout out because he reminds us every week in that TDN Fantasy League Slack that we have. It's a private Slack channel away from the regular fantasy football one uh, about he's going to remind us and he's going to bring it up every week. So I want to give him a shout out after he thoroughly trounced me this week in fantasy, even prior to the Woods game. Uh, Things got bad, uh, which I get him annoyed because I made all these trades trying to make like a a last second run. I should have stuck with what I had as a team that it used to have Cooper cup and Robert Woods and Deandre Swift and all these other guys. Uh, so I could watch Julio Jones get his two targets. Uh, but aside from all of that, I want to give him a shout out because he's a loyal listener. He kicked my ass this week in the TDN uh, premium league. Uh, and he got, got a little bit one up on Jake because Jake was pretty critical of him for that trade. And it's paid off. It was going to pay off for both of us, but it really paid off for him as well because Robert Woods had a couple of really big games. Yeah, Robert Woods has had some spectacular games. Uh, and anytime you could put up 30 points in a fantasy matchup, you're looking at a point swing like I had tonight. Those are the type of matchups where you look and you go, okay, he's going into Monday Night Football. He's playing the Bucks. You're not thinking you have a chance to get this performance. And him and you're Cooper thinking 30. Cup, you're not, th- you're not no, thinking 30 fantasy points. No, I'm not thinking Cooper Cup's going to leave this game with 11 for 145. Are you serious? This is Love this Cooper is the pro- this is the problem here, guys. So for the Bucks, right? Quickly, there was a lot of conversation around this team and the secondary coming into the year, right? And there was a lot of, of chatter about them having some issues and them not being good as a unit. And they've played better, but they've struggled recently. They yeah. let th- You're talking about two receivers with over 100 yards, almost two receivers with a buck 50 in this game, guys. It's, you, can't, you can't have that. You can't, you can't fancy yourself one of the best defenses in the NFL and give up two performances like that tonight on Monday Night Football. It's just not – they have to be better. The secondary absolutely has to be better. And quite frankly, the front needed to be better tonight too because they did not get enough pressure on Jared Goff, and Jared Goff had plenty of time, and he was able to pick them apart, and that's why they lost this football game. That's the key here is that pass rush this year, which was such a huge component of that defense turning things around in the second half of last season – has been non-existent in a lot of these primetime games. Yes. They are, they are not getting there right now. And, and this offensive line for the Rams isn't anything special. This isn't what it was two, three years ago. This is not a matchup they shouldn't have any chance to. And uh, it's disappointing to see. And on one note, I, I know Chris wants to jump back in here. Now after the game, the Rams are the number one on a per-game basis total defense in the NFL and number two scoring defense after this game. I mean, they are playing at a tremendously high level right now. And to back up your point, Jamie, they're without their best offensive lineman, the Rams. Yes. So it should have been easy yes. for, the, for the Pucks to get after only them. Only at left tackle. Yeah, only <laughs> yeah, the most important position on the line. And listen, I, we've been critical of Jared Goff tonight on the show, but if you give Jared Goff time, he will find open receivers. He will make you pay, and they have the talent to make you pay. Now, 
Listen, I don't think Jared Goff should throw the ball 51 times in a football game. I don't think that will bear out over time to be a winning formula for Sean McVay and company, but it was tonight because they were able to take advantage of the fact that Tampa couldn't get after them. I thought ball fines for Tampa were egregious tonight. I thought the offensive yeah. line was, was gross is yeah. the best way I can put it because Brady didn't have time. The two picks could be because he was feeling pressure that wasn't really there and he was trying to get rid of the ball quickly. It was just bad all around. Both lines were just brutal. And the Rams are talented enough outside of the quarterback position. They'll take advantage of that of that stuff, right? It's why I yes. have the take that I have. They're talented enough on defense where if you give them an opportunity, if you're going to open the door, they'll kick it right in. They're going to come after you. So it, it was a matchup that they took advantage of, and that's what they've been doing week in and week out. And it's why they're 7-3 and three and leading the NFC West right now. Two quick points I want to make before we get off this game. One, obviously, I, I agree with Chris that you don't want Goff throwing 51 times under normal circumstances, but I didn't disagree with that decision tonight because I think sometimes teams, just because of either philosophy, because it's the way they've always done it, will beat their head against a solid brick wall, even knowing they're not going to succeed just because they feel like they have to, or they feel like the perception of maintaining balance, even in the face of things not working, is what you should do. The Rams clearly identified that nobody has run on the Bucs for two years. They made attempts. They got stonewalled almost every time. They had one nice run tonight. That was it. And they got stonewalled every other time. And they said, okay, where, where are they beatable? Where do we have a chance to succeed? And for them, it's getting Cooper Cup and Robert Woods the football as much as humanly possible. And yep. they have some other playmakers. Josh Reynolds, Van Jefferson can make plays as well. That, that, that group of receivers is extremely talented, even if it does not get talked about in the same way as, let's say, the Bucks' groups of wide receivers. On Listen, the other side of things... I'd put, I put that wide receiving group up against anybody, guys. That's yes. a hell of a wide receiving group. Yeah. That's a hell of a group. I think I'd only take Pittsburgh's above them right now. Yes. One through but, four. But that's a, hell of, that's a hell of a group, and that's a good point, Jamie. Yeah, it's in the conversation. Of, of course. Even with no number the, four, they're still in the conversation. With the injuries that they've had, you haven't had the – like this, this, this offensive unit for L.A. is very good. They got a lot of playmakers, so I wanted to make sure I jumped in, but go ahead. We actually did have one point. I have to go look at like a one through four. Because so we always talk about one, two, or sometimes one, two, and three. But one through four, from a talent perspective, uh, I, I think it would be pretty close up there. The other point I want to make is – and I can't believe we are sitting here on – it is mid, about to hit midnight on the East Coast to turn into Tuesday, November 24th. And I'm going to say this sentence about a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that has Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski. I think they missed Daria Gumbawale. Excuse me? I think they miss some sort of reliable pass-catching option for Tom Brady. And yep. if we look back at the last several years of what Tom Brady's been able to do, his high level, and part of it is because out of necessity based on the way the team was built in New England, but he leaned heavily on slot receiver, check down running back. One of those players has been completely taken out of the offense for him. They are not using, they are trying to use Leonard Fournette like that, but they're not successfully, and Brady doesn't trust him, and you can see why. Ronald Jones is not a pass catcher. LaShawn McCoy apparently retired from the NFL and didn't tell anybody. I don't know why he's on the roster at the moment. Uh, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn was a terrible pick at the time and will remain a terrible pick. I think he'll have a role at some point, but that was a mistake in the third round. There isn't that option for Tom Brady when you saw at various points in the game, he wanted to get the ball out of his hands quickly, even sometimes when there actually wasn't pressure there and he wanted to get it out quickly. And there's nobody for him to get the ball to. Now, Dario Gumbawale is not James White. He's not Kevin Falk. He's not Deion Lewis. And he wouldn't have been even if he was there. 
but he would at least catch the football on third downs and, and, yeah. and pick up blitzes. And right now, they clearly don't trust Ronald Jones to do it because Ronald Jones don't, doesn't play. Like, it, it's just it, he, he will have 150 yards one week and then not play the next. Like, they clearly do not trust him in all situations. Leonard Fournette looks, looks bad. I just – they missed that option on this team right now. And, and that wouldn't have cure all – that doesn't cure all their issues. It doesn't make up for Brady's two really rough interceptions in this game on deep balls. But they are missing that element, and it feels like Brady is forcing balls that he would normally check down right now. 100%. That, that is my brief analysis, particularly for coming off of this game. It's, it's, it's frustrating to watch, honestly. Like, it's frustrating to watch because I can, I can feel the frustration for Tom. And I understand that you're not gonna, you're not gonna feel for him because you've got all, all these weapons. But I, I challenge you to look past the, what they used to be. Because Antonio Brown on multiple plays in this game didn't have the half a step or step that he needed to make plays. Okay. He's not the same player anymore, period. He has lost a full step, and that was the difference between him catching two balls that would have changed the dynamic of this game and him not. And I understand that in star name value, Antonio Brown is Antonio Brown, but he is not that player anymore. And that was very clear tonight. And they miss somebody, whether it's Agumbawale or somebody in that role, because I'm looking around and I'm going, you watch what? Leonard Fournette had three straight drops, I think, during this game. And, and, and almost dropped the fourth one. Like the one he does catch in the fourth quarter, he bobbles. And, like, and, they, and Ronald Jones is MIA. Again. And you're looking at, at Gronk, missed the, Gronk missed two passes in this game, two big passes in this game, where I'm, I'm going, okay, in years past, he makes those catches. But that's where... I always question, like, I think during the broadcast, they said, be careful because you, you, you fall in love with, like, we got a bunch of Cadillacs and we put all the Cadillacs together and we think it's going to turn into this, this big, beautiful thing. But the Cadillacs haven't all been playing football together for all that long. And a couple of the Cadillacs are like 2006 Cadillacs. Okay. Like a couple of the caddies are, they're, they're not, they're vintage models. And, and AB and Gronk are not AB and Gronk of old. And that is apparent. And it's, you got to stop. I think this is going to catch up to them. And it did tonight. And, and I think they're really, you know, Joe Marino tweeted it out and he says, is it too early or am I allowed to start mocking Travis Etienne to the Bucks? Right. Because it, because a lot of people gave him flack and the answer is yes. Why not? Because at this point they clearly need somebody that can fulfill that role. And I don't want to run on too long on this. Cause I know we have so many other things to discuss, but, it's not like the team doesn't have talent in the wide receiver room outside mm-hmm. of the guys we just mentioned. Yep. And it's not like they don't have talent coaching-wise to creatively get themselves out of this mess that we see on a weekly basis. Because this isn't the first time that we've seen these inconsistencies on offense. It's been my biggest gripe with this team. I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, every team's got a flaw. Tampa Bay's flaw is I don't know what offense is going to show up on a weekly basis. Totally agree. You just don't know. But yeah. Bruce Arians is the head coach. Byron Leftwich is the offensive coordinator. They have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They have talented running backs that they can find ways to get involved. And it just feels so discombobulated. And I, at this point, we're 11 games into the season. It's almost, you are what you are. Like, and yeah. this is yeah. what this team is. And look, and you have to be disappointed from a standpoint of this team has been punched in the mouth on a national stage several times this year. And freaking knew it coming into this week. 
you're at home, you have fans in the stands, you knew what this was going to be about, and you got punched in the mouth again. And it's just at some point, like when do you start living up to the talent level that you have on paper? Like, I mean, and I want to make something clear. Everything we just said does not absolve Tom Brady from blame. That no. is not what I'm saying at all. Nope. I'm trying to figure out what the issues are, why we are seeing Tom Brady throw for 350 and five one week and then struggle. And yes, the Rams have a really good defense. They deserve a ton of credit for the way they performed in this game. But you can all, when you have that much talent, there's a, still a level of expectation of what you should be against any defense in the league. And then it varies based on the caliber of the opponent that you're facing. Right now, we're seeing the Buccaneers lose on a familiar script. They just sometimes leave a week or two between it. But the way they lose all these games is all the same. Like you could tell by half. You could tell by the second quarter if this is going to be one of those Bucks games this year or not. And it's been all of their losses feel the same to me. They can't establish the run. They have drop passes out of the backfield. They're forcing the ball. John Brady's forcing the ball in situations he doesn't need to force. He has at least one pick on a play where he doesn't know which way the wide receiver is going or doesn't see one of the, the deep safeties. It's the same script in all of these primetime games. And I, I wish, and I'm going to have to go back and watch the film and see the cutups and see how the offense looked, but I'll be really curious to talk to Jake about, I wanted to see what this team looked like when it did have all these pieces, right? Because there's a part of me that believes like you're forcing the ball in some moments and you're not forcing it the right way. Like it's not going to Godwin and Mike Evans more often than not. Like there's a couple of moments today where I'm going, where are these guys? Why am I seeing the ball go to Gronk and AB? The ball should be going to the two best options you have on your offense, period, end of story. And that's, that's where I look around and I go, okay, at a certain point, you got too many things going on. You got too many. You're, you're trying to make too much happen. You're trying to put too many cooks in the kitchen. Like, I believe this team might be better off without Leonard Fournette and without Antonio Brown because you would be forced into playing Ronald Jones. You'd be forced into playing these guys in these roles, and you'd be forced into feeding the guys that are there. I can't say that for certain, but I, there's a part of me that, that believes that because there's, just, there's a, lot of, it's a lot of inconsistencies, and I think it's just because there's just so many pieces. Like it's just you're, you're trying to take all these puzzle pieces and put them together, and it almost feels like you got some puzzle pieces that don't fit for this puzzle, right? And you got, they, they fit another puzzle. And they fit a puzzle that used to exist, and they just don't fit this puzzle anymore. And, and that's just kind of what it feels like. It's, it's the best way I can describe what it feels like watching this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team over and over again. So they got some things to clean up, but they're the same things that they've had to clean up the other games when we've talked about them. So I'll be really curious to hear what Jake has to say uh, when he jumps on um, <laughs> later on this week, I'm sure he will not pull. He will not hold back. I, I know that he is inevitable. I know, <laughs> I know, I know that he, no, I know that he is not happy with that performance. That is for sure. Let's talk waiver wire pickups though. And our waiver wire pickups this week are brought to you by Manscaped. So Jamie, take it away. Yeah, look, Jake, Jake has a little extra time tonight. Uh, he's he's unfortunately had to witness that game live, but he's not going to be on the podcast tonight. So he has time to go home. And he has got time to try out that Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 that he's been talking about so much. You hear his tagline every single week, get a package for your package. Well, he'll have some time tonight to spend some quality time with the Manscaped uh, Lawnmower 3.0 that I've received. 
And the gift package that's coming right now, brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which is the perfect gift this holiday season for you. Gift it for yourself. It's a great stocking stuffer. Uh, significant other. It's a great one to have. It includes the crop preserver and anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, which is a favorite on this show. Our intern's not on right now. So I think I think he might be spending the night with Linda C. in Scottsdale. Uh, Ooh, we haven't baby. heard much from him today. All I know yep. is we got that nice letter yesterday that we got. He found out how excited she is about him using the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 and all of its contents and the crop preserver being her favorite. Uh, there's the crop reviver, the uh, the uh, it keeps your balls from sticking, smelling, sweating. Jake, uh, by the way, off the air, Jake told me he loves this. He says he gives it a couple spritz, let it air dry. He says, it, he, no, I'm not joking. He said this changed his life. He was a, I, 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 am a, I tried it myself and I agree. It is a, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, you know, what, what, what do I need this, this crop preserver for? It's, it's this, this tone, this ball tone. No, it is, try it, trust me. Couple spritzes. Let it air dry for a few seconds. Go on with your day. It will change your life, especially if you are, uh, if you've heard the phrase bat winging, uh, if that you've had that issue before in your life, that is something that you will not have with this. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Get 20% off and free shipping this holiday season by using the code TDN at manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping. TDN at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you, and I cannot wait to answer this question from Hype Train. Chris. What is your question? Two-part response to, to the okay. lovely read that you just did. I am really good at putting together a soundboard for the shows that I work on. Didn't have a sound effect in the arsenal for you using the term bat-winging. Bat-winging. No, didn't, I was not prepared for that when I uh, signed up for this today. I, uh, secondly, I will give a shout-out to Tony Schiavone, uh, who is the wow. famous wrestling announcer. You can hear him on TNT every Wednesday night uh, for that term because he was the one that introduced me on his podcast to that phrasing uh, for the particular ailment that... Uh, that guys can sometimes deal with. Even even in the winter, there's going to be a lot of heaters on inside. You can have a lot of layers. That bat wing can still happen. Second question, and again, I want to get to the waiver wire pickups, and I could be just a person in the room who doesn't know what's going on. Who's Linda C. in Scottsdale? Can, oh, I, get, yes. can I get some? So, oh, yeah, we're definitely we're bringing in the backstory here. So, yeah, so our, yeah, our lovely intern, yeah, our lovely intern, Hank Henry, behind the scenes, he, there's this place for all of you that live in Arizona. You know this place well. And if you don't, then you're not living. Okay. The Rusty okay. Spur, baby. Let me write the Rusty this down. Spur. Rusty, Rusty okay? Spur. Old Town Rusty Scottsdale. Spur, old, old Town Scottsdale, cheap drinks, really great place to hang out in, an, in a non-COVID world. Let me be very clear. Okay. This was very, very much before all this stuff happened. Please wear a mask so, socially yes. distanced. Please wear a mask socially distanced. Thank you very much. Uh, but Linda... Listen, there's thing, there's you know we know about Scottsdale and this reputation of having a lot of you know old elderly ladies, you know, cougars <laughs> that okay. like. You wanted to go there. Cougars. I wasn't going to use the term. not BYU cougars, not Zach no, 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 not the BYU cougars, no. the kind of cougars that college students at ASU really like to entertain. And Henry okay. happens to entertain a, a very nice lady named Linda, and Linda, Linda's big fan of the show. Linda's wow. big fan of Henry, and Linda is a big fan of Manscaped. As What's we found out, because she, she wrote us a beautiful letter, and she really told us about how much it's really helped her and Hanky Poo, so, oh, yeah. as she so eloquently well, said. Chris, uh, apparently our, our lovely intern, uh, Hank, has an issue with uh, a particular region of his body, there, there being an odor uh, in that region. Uh, because he was unaware of Manscaped before we started talking about it on the show and was unaware of what the Crop Reviver could do for him in his life. And 
Linda Steen was very happy that we introduced him to, him, to that product and that she got him that for the perfect package 3.0 for Christmas. And, Great job, uh, yep. Jamie. That, I'll give credit to you for that one then. You yeah. Using, so he's, using, uh, we're excited. Yeah. Great job. Using, using code TDN, obviously, to get yep. 20% off and free shipping. Uh, most importantly, guys, we want you to take care of yourselves. As Kyle Crabb said so eloquently earlier, treat yourselves, kings. Take care of yourselves. Go get yourself a present. You don't need to have somebody else buy it for you. Go treat yourself. Take care of yourself. Moving on. Waiver wire pickups. Gus, Gus Bus. Gus Edwards. Uh, and this is the overall, this is a number one guy coming off of the waiver wires for, got this list off of Fantasy Pros, our friends over there. Uh, the reason that this is the number one overall pickup is because of the COVID situation with the other two running backs in Baltimore. This game is Thursday. If this game was on Sunday, you could potentially see this change out. But I think with the timing of this, yeah, you're going to see out. those two guys are both going to be sitting and it is going to be the Gus Bus show. Jamie, what are you thinking uh, here with Gus Edwards? I'm very intrigued. I have him right now as my running back 25 this week. It's a tough matchup, but Baltimore ran well against Pittsburgh when these teams, two teams played a few weeks back. And Edwards ran pretty well. Him and J.K. Dobbins both had a good game. Uh, we'll also see the return of Justice Hill, although I'm not throwing him in uh, at this point. But man, I thought Justice Hill might be something last year. I'm just sad that, he, that he's not. But this is, it's really, to me, this is just disappointing from a, a J.K. Dobbins standpoint because it finally felt like they were going to at least attempt to lean on him as the guy. Just had a, just a monster game with Edwards and Ingram not having much work at all. Uh, he had a great game against Pittsburgh a few weeks back. And he thought, okay, this is the catalyst, and then he gets hit with this. So uh, from a real-life perspective, I hope he stays healthy and gets better soon. We saw what happened uh, with the Bills tight end today. This, this, this illness is no joke, as we all know at this point in time. So first and foremost, I wish him the best health. But from a fantasy perspective, because that is what we talk about on the show, it's, it's disappointing. Uh, it was just worth the pickup, I, I think, especially given the running back situation across the league, even with no teams on by this week, it's still a top 25 play for me. And it's somebody that you might need to plug into your RB2 spot because I don't think we're going to get like a DeAndre Swift back this week. Uh, I would play him over guys like... Um, you know, I, I have him right now ranked over even a guy like Melvin Gordon or Duke Johnson or Salvin Ahmed or some of these, Daryl Henderson, a lot of these guys that you've been playing, even a Naeem Hines and cover your ears page, David Montgomery. I mean, I would start him over all those guys or whoever the Lions end up throwing out in their backfield. So he is absolutely worth a pickup this week if you need to start him. All right, guys, moving on. Debo Samuel, San Francisco playing the LA Rams. Uh, Cal Shanahan says hopeful to return in week 12, right? So they're, they're hopeful here. Debo's obviously sat out a majority of the season, Jamie, for those of you like myself, who've held on to him, put him in the IR spot for much of this season. You're hoping that he can come in and play a part for you, especially for the fantasy postseason. Jamie, what's your outlook on Debo Samuel for the, for the remainder of the year? I, I still like him when he's in. Like I don't have him ranked yet this week. I want to see where he, how he progresses as we get throughout it. But he's a guy that I had in the preseason before we found out about the initial injury that he was ranked as a wide receiver three. And I think a low-end wide receiver three is kind of where his range should be. They're going to find ways to get the ball in his hand, which is exciting. The best workload. You always want to get a high workload. But he's not somebody that I think is a must-start. So, yes, if you're going to pick him up and you have a spot on your bench, you can grab him. But wide receiver is so deep right now. There are no teams on by. The only two teams that buy is the rest of the season. That's Carolina and Tampa Bay. They both have buys in week 13. Otherwise, we're done. 
So again, this goes back to, is your team in a position where you could take a chance on sitting a guy for a couple of weeks? And will he start for you? I think a lot of times we kind of lose that perspective when it comes to waiver wire ads late in the year. Are you loaded at a position? Is there any chance this player is going to play for you over the next few weeks? Or is there a handcuff? Or is there some other player at a different position of need for you that you are more likely? I, I, I know I'm going to get killed for saying this, but it's playoff time. If you have to k- carry a second defense and play ma- a week ahead so you can 100%. play the best matchup over getting the eighth best wide receiver on your roster, I would do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I just, I, I th- you have to start thinking about where you are. And if you're going to play, planning on playing Samuel in the next few weeks, sure, pick him up. If you're not, you don't need to pick him up just to ride him on your bench for the rest of the year. Yeah, it's been unfortunate because he's, if you have, if you play in a league that allows for you to, to have, we've had two IR spots. So you've been able to put somebody there with COVID or with, uh, with uh, an injury, you've been able to place them there. If not, it's been tough to hold on to Debo because he came back and re-aggravated that injury. And there was a lot more positivity coming into the season than has obviously played out for, not only for him, but for the San Francisco 49ers in general. Jamie, the next one I want to talk about here is Michael Pittman Jr. coming off of a really good back-to-back, really good performances. Team high, 15 targets over the last two weeks. He also played more snaps, 10 more snaps Mm -hmm. than Zach Pascal and T.Y. Hilton. So it's not just the targets that are going his way. He's out-snapping these guys. A rookie wide receiver, we talk about it a lot. You don't always come in and, and establish yourself right away. But he's really come on, especially the last few weeks, is he the guy to own in Indianapolis? Because it was a, it was a performance that was put up there by Philip Rivers, and you could tell he's building some chemistry with Michael Pittman. Yeah, if I'm, if I'm going to own a coach receiver in fantasy, it's going to be Pittman. I have him just outside my top forty this week, but I don't. Want, I know that sounds bad, but I, I would encourage you to go take a look at my wide receiver rankings now that everybody and every team is playing in Week Twelve. There's a lot. <laughs> there are a lot of guys. Like there are a lot, and this goes back to why I'm just saying you don't have to pick up Debo Samuel if you don't think you're going to play him. There are a lot of really good options out there. Um, I, I thought he was the most pro-ready wide receiver coming into the coming into the season in terms of just his his skill set translating to what he was going to be asked to do in year one. Took him some time to get going there, had to deal with some injuries and some other stuff, but now he's back, and he is clearly the, the wide receiver I want. He's the only Colts player I would be starting at the wide receiver position. Um, I mean, T.Y. T- Hilton, I think I, I finally put him in. He makes my top like 55 for the week, but I just don't trust him right now. Pittman's the guy they want. That's that He is going to be the Mike Williams to Phillip Rivers in this run, and they continue to throw the ball way more than they have any business doing, and <laughs> Pittman's going to take advantage of it. Uh, it's week 11. I don't think that's going to change. I think we've all wanted Indianapolis to play a different type of football and a different style, but you know what? They just went toe to toe with Aaron Rodgers and took them down. So at a certain point, you're just going to, they're still that winning defense games. Is so good. Their right defense. Now. Yeah. That's the best. Matt, Matt Eberflus needs to be discussed in this. Uh, everyone wants to talk about the offensive guys when it comes to next head coach candidates. Eberflus needs to be in that conversation. I totally agree. I totally agree, uh, especially weathering the storm without some of their big playmakers. And now they've had guys come back and play healthy and, and what they've been able to do and sustain has been very, very impressive. All right, James White, Arizona playing at New England this week, coming off of, listen, I think he was six for nine uh, with 40 for 45 yards as far as receptions goes. He hasn't been, this backfield, it's New England, right? This backfield is this backfield. It's always going to be this backfield, but he is playing a part, especially as a pass catching back that I'm quite sure Tom Brady would really, really like to have in, in Tampa Bay. Can we say it again? Uh, That is, that is for sure. He misses his guy, James White with, 
especially with all the injuries to running backs and, and now COVID issues and everything else, is this a guy that you think, okay, a, a pretty decent matchup here against Arizona, especially on the road? Is this a, is this the guy you like this week? He's worth an ad. Right now I have him like hanging around my top 40. I probably need to move him up a little bit going into this week, but my concern is going to be we're also going to see the return of Sony Michelle. So now we have their top three. And I mean, Rex Burkett, I don't think is going to play for a while, if, if at all, the rest of the year. But now we could potentially see Bill Belichick go back to riding a hot hand. And I just, I don't, I have a long history that tells me that whatever Belichick's going to do, it's going to annoy the hell out of fantasy owners. <laughs> uh, so it, it's just, it concerns me. He's worth picking up. And I think any running back that could have value is worth picking up. Like it just, it, it is, it's the state of the position right now. I'll probably raise in my rankings. I feel like my, I'm looking at it now. I have him too low, but he's going to still be in RB three territory. So not a For must sure. start worth a speculative ad second flex. Maybe matchup is fine, but yeah, but he's had a very weird season. Like I thought cam would check down to him a lot more. It's not like cam has ever been afraid to throw the ball to running backs. If you remember, you know, that Christian McCaffrey fella <laughs> that, that plays in Carolina. So I, I was a little surprised to see him not have as much usage and they've really leaned on Damian Harris in the running game, but who knows? Sonny Michelle's going to come back and get 18 carries for, for no damn reason. So who knows? They, they will continue to be one of the more frustrating, doesn't matter the quarterback, doesn't matter the year. Uh, New England is always a fantasy wasteland as far as running backs are concerned. All right, last waiver pickup here, Jamie. Sterling Shepard, the New York Giants playing at Cincinnati. Uh, obviously without Joe Burrow, so this matchup uh, looks like it could be even better just overall for this New York Giants team. Shepard now has six or more receptions and six or more targets in four straight games since returning to the starting lineup. He's been a pretty crucial piece here for Daniel Jones. And as, (laughs) as much as we talk about the Daniel Jones experience, right, there's been plenty of fantasy relevance, especially over the last few weeks, and this is a very favorable matchup against Cincinnati. Do you like Sterling Shepard this week? Cover your ears, TDN Premium Slack, because you hated this when I said it in the preseason, and you're going to hate me when I say this now. Sterling Shepard is the number one wide receiver on the Giants. Period. End of story. I Let's go. Period. Period. I, I like the talent of Darius Slayton, but he's, he's not Sterling Shepard. They use nope. Sterling Shepard in way more ways. Uh, now, if Daniel Jones was a, had a better deep ball consistently, I think Darius Slayton is a whole different player. But he doesn't, and that's the team he's on, and that's you'd have to play with the hand that you're dealt. Uh, I do like Shepard. He's my he's my wide receiver 33 this week, which means he should be in a lot of flex spots across the fantasy lineups this week against a uh, poor Cincinnati secondary. Uh, and a game I expect the Giants to win now uh, without Joe Burrow. I don't have oh, no yeah. faith in Ryan Finley. If you remember watching Ryan Finley last year when he took over for Andy Dalton, it wasn't good. So no. I don't think it's going to be good here either. <laughs> Sterling Shepard is a giant. Now, I think Darius Slayton is still worthy of some consideration as a, as a second flex. But if you're going to play a Giants receiver, it's going to be Sterling Shepard now and in 2021. Spoiler. Spoiler. Yeah. Uh, especially when he can stay healthy, man. That's been his big thing, especially for across Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley, all these, all these options in New York. They haven't really ever been able to put it together. Now. I think they put it together for one well, yes, game for all those yes. guys on the field. That's the other thing. And I know, I, I know that that pisses off New York Giants fans that want to move on, but you really haven't given this this whole unit an opportunity to actually see what they have because they have not built any chemistry because none of them are out there consistently ever. It just doesn't exist. I'm okay with moving on if the moving on was Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. I'm not okay with moving on. But you're not having, you're not getting those guys. For Trey Lance or Zach Wilson or Kyle Trask or 
Mac Jones or anybody else is going to get mocked in the first round that's a quarterback uh, in the coming weeks. So if it was one of those two guys at the top, which it looked like they might have the number two pick for a while, then yes, at that point, I think those players will give you enough of a reason. Because let's be honest, the reach for Daniel Jones at six was a reach. Oh, 100%. It was 100%. a reach at the time. Everyone thought it was going in. Everyone knew they were going to do it, and it was still a reach. Like it was just, It's like one of those things that – it was just that whole experience of like – like, oh, crap, they are going to draft the kid out of Duke, aren't they? Like, they're, they're the mystery team that's really high on Daniel Jones that was talked about on that whole week leading up. And everybody knew it, and they still did it. But I'm not – I don't think you need to reach for a project quarterback, which is what I think Trey Lance is still. And I know that might be sacrilegious to some out there, but it's still a project quarterback. Could be great. I'm not talking about a skill set. But the dude's played, what, a year in one game of college football yeah. against nobody? Yeah, like I, I, he's not going to step in and play for you week one. We're not talking, you know what I mean? That doesn't mean he can't be good for you in two or three years, but he's not a sure enough thing if anybody can be sure enough thing, but not a sure enough thing to move on from Daniel Jones. If it was Lawrence or Field, different story. So Daniel Jones is going to be the quarterback there because for my money, I think the Giants are the favorites to win that division now. Totally agree. Totally agree. And they, quite frankly, they've played the best ball, right? I think Washington will be really interesting with Alex Smith now and winning a couple of games and what they can put together. And, and Dallas with Andy Dalton, I think you're Philadelphia, just no. Like, just, I, just no. At this point, I hope it's anybody but Philadelphia. Yes. I don't. Because to me, anybody. This is, this is the same way I felt, and somehow this got worse, about Dallas last year. Of that was the team that had so many expectations that had a clear path and effed it up. Yep. And so the point was, was like, you know what? I'm actively rooting for Philly to catch you. Even though Philly wasn't good, I'm actively rooting for them to catch you. The Eagles have had every opportunity in the world to run away with this division and have it. So now I'm at the point where like, I don't really want it to be Dallas either. Like I think just, I think Washington and New York would just be funny. Just oh, 100%. That, like, two teams 100%. very much in the midst of, of a full and total rebuild, just accidentally stumbling their way into a home playoff game if, if would be Washington, hilarious to if me. If Washington wins after benching their 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 first, their round, first round quarterback, quarterback their, and playing their, a guy who literally two, broke his leg and we thought he might not live, let alone play football again. By the way. Are you kidding can, can we talk about that? Like, I know 2020 is the year of just cruelty in the world. And I know this is going to sound like very weird in the context of the really bad things that are happening. But how many terrible leg injuries does Alex Smith have to witness in person this season? Yeah. He watches the – he's there for Kyle Allen. He's there for Joe Burrow. Like, at some point, like, I feel like fate is telling him, like, wrap this thing up, Alex, <laughs> and get the hell out of here while you still can. Take your comeback player of the year award trophy – and go home. Yes. Like, I and feel when, like the universe is, is flashing those signs at him right now. I could not agree more. I, I, that moment was like, I wa- I'm watching it and I go, imagine being Alex Smith, man. Like, imagine. The first thing I thought like, when I saw it with the Kyle I, Allen injury. I, I was just, like, I can't imagine what's going through your head when you, when you literally know what, what would happen with him. No. Like, the same thing you, what happens when you, if Teddy Bridgewater was on the other side of life. Yes. What those guys had to overcome, like. Just to no be out you there. can't think about it. There's oh. no way you can't think about it. Oh, no. and, and by the way, it, the, I know we didn't spend a lot of time on the last show. It absolutely freaking sucks that we don't get to see Joe Burrow finish out his rookie season. And the fact that he's probably going to miss time next year. I know people don't want to discuss that right now. Oh, he's from, going to I miss time next year. Burger McFarlane said he should sit out the whole season, I think, at halftime, which I walked in the room and said, oh, okay. But 
but he's going to miss time. Like he's not going to be ready for the start of next season, most likely. And there's no need to rush him back. And hopefully they can get Penny Sewell uh, and pair him with Jonah Williams and have those bookends to tackle that at least will help you feel a little bit better about the team that they're rolling out in front of him for protection for 2021 and beyond. Uh, it's uh, Joe Marino called it malpractice that they were, that they were putting out that offensive line could not come up with a better way to describe what has existed this season so far and because they have such a ass backwards front office the way they run things and there's not a gm and nobody knows what the hell's going on you have no idea who even to blame because you don't know what the hell's going on with that organization they're so bizarre it's so strange and listen joey b i I want to give him, I understand, and Herbert has been amazing and he's going to win Rookie of the Year because he's just, in spite of the fact that Anthony Lynn wants to gift games to other teams, he is still just going to put up ludicrous numbers and has gone toe-to-toe with everybody, including Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, and week in and week out, he's been spectacular and he's totally deserving. It just sucks that we're not going to get Joe for the rest of the year. And I... I I sincerely hope that the Cincinnati Bengals take more than enough time to get him back because that dude is a playmaker. He is a playmaker. He is a surefire thing. He's a star. He's a a star on a shitty team in a bad organization. Like that's – get some more people. Get another – Get invest in your defense. Invest in that offensive line and let him get healthy. Please. Mm -hmm. Like please. More than anything, because he's he's going to be spectacular to watch. Uh, hopefully, over the next few years. So hopefully, hopefully he gets himself healthy, and I and I think he will, knowing the competitive fire that exists within him and everything that we've seen thus far. All right, guys, quickly looking ahead at the lines, we'll bring back producer Chris in here. Producer Chris, uh, would you check that online.ag for us just sure. to make sure? As I am pulling these lines up, they have not moved at all in the last forty-five minutes to an hour. Page. I got to tell you, you're asking what me to look got? something up so I don't have the sounder ready, but one of these three games might get the sounder. Oh, oh boy. I, oh, I, there's, they, I'm just staring at him, and if the lines are what you sent to us in the pre-show meeting. I'm very, I'm very curious to see because I actually have already done my write-ups for these games. I, I, okay. had some extra, I had some time where I was waiting on some work, so I got a chance to write up these three games. So I'm really excited to hear what Chris, what Chris has to say. About I, yeah, I'm, I'm also curious. So the one first of these lines game. is wrong, by the way. Uh, Paige, all three of the lines are exactly the way that you sent them earlier today. Okay. All right. So Houston at Detroit. The Texans are two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against Detroit. The look-ahead line here. Gentlemen, what are we thinking? Well, I'm thinking that the Lions look like absolute garbage without Kenny Galladay in their lineup for all but one game. Uh, I'm also thinking that they would have lost, even though they've lost three or four, they would have lost four or five if Todd Gurley knows how to stop before the end zone. Uh, this is not a team that's playing at a high level right now. They don't have DeAndre Swift, so they, I don't think they're going to be able to take full advantage of Houston's biggest weakness, which is an absolutely brutal rushing defense. Matthew Stafford, aside from that one good game against Washington, has looked completely out of sync. Put up, I'm sorry, let me double check this. Uh, zero points against Carolina. That's correct, Jamie. I checked the notes on that for you. Zero. Matthew Stafford and that Lions offense put up as many points as I did for my recliner against Carolina. So, like, with that, me, it's bad. It is let bad. Let me have off- Matthew Stafford, please, and thank you. All please. I ever wanted. All I ever no, wanted. Just leave Detroit, please. 
So we're looking probably no Swift, no Galladay. I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with at least, look, at least the Texans, they're not good, but they've been competitive and they've got a really good quarterback and they've got a ton of weapons. Brandon Cooks is having a hell of a season. Uh, Again, if if Alex Smith and and Ben Roethlisberger weren't running away with comeback player of the year conversation, Brandon Cooks would be getting a lot of talk most other seasons. With with all of the injuries and the concussion stuff that he's had to deal with, he's been a great player. Will Fuller has responded to being the wide receiver one and is having a hell of a year even without DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, they have enough weapons on that team to get to put up enough points. Like I think they get thirty on Detroit's defense. So oh, I, yeah. I don't think the Lions can keep up offensively. So I'm going to take the Texans to win and cover and mess up Miami's draft spot even more. Jamie, you couldn't have said it any better, buddy. Leave the station. This is easy. Huh. This is easy. Detroit scored zero points last week. They suck. They can't That's do anything on offense, and they don't have their best players. Give me Houston. You're basically saying they're going to win the football game. Yeah, Houston's going to win the football game. Detroit can't do anything. This is easy. Um, I'm totally in agreement with you guys. It, this Detroit, <laughs> Detroit is Detroit. And I, I hate to say, and by I hate to say in that condescending voice, I love to say, why? Why, oh, why do people year in and year out try and buy into this damn Lions team? I, I'm Literally, I, I just don't understand. Matt Patricia sucks. He has sucked since he got there. This team sucks, and this organization is trash. I don't understand. Every year, everybody tries to pretzel their way into believing in this team, and it happened again this offseason. There were many people that picked this team to compete slash maybe even push Green Bay out for the top of the division. You're morons. I I don't know any other way to describe this other than why. I just truly do not understand i don't I, I don't get it i don't know why anybody believes in detroit apparently you haven't been watching detroit for a very long time it is a wasteland and please let matthew stafford go play somewhere else and matt patricia might be the worst coach in the nfl just saying shout um, out to Gase. what about to say uh, the argument is the argument is valid joe no. marino was right adam Gase has won 10 games in his in his coaching oh, capacity, Matt okay. Patricia is garbage. Can we have this conversation since you brought yes, it up? Yes, let's do it. That's yeah, like, just lost eighty million games by two scores. That's like he, saying Tim Tebow is a better quarterback than Derek Carr because Tim Tebow's won a playoff game. I don't care what your record says you are. I know what you are as a coach. Adam Gase is trash. He's Basuda. terrible. He is Matt, bad. Matt Patricia is just as bad as he is. Period. Just as bad. If, if Matt Patricia, a defensive coach, has gotten more out of his offense than Adam Gase, an offensive guru, has gotten out of the Jets' offense. No, 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 no. Wrong. Because Adam Gase won 10 games. I saw it with my eyes. He had positive outlooks. Matt Patricia has – he took – Matt Patricia took a team that won nine games back-to-back years and, and was coming into a situation where his, the expectations were, we're going to fire a coach that had a winning record with a – top 15 quarterback and i'm somehow going to ruin the team that's how bad of a coach he is that's how bad Look, patricia is he's terrible. awful but yeah no, I'm, not, I'm, we're not, I'm, not I'm not saying sure. i want patricia as my head coach he's terrible he's just as bad as gase that's all i want you to say he's oh. just as bad as gase he took a he took a team that won that won more than nine games three straight years and ruined it Ruined the team. Paige, I can't do it. I'm too close to it. I'm too close to Adam Gase on a weekly basis to do this. I know. In my head, I can't think that there could be a worse coach than what I've dealt with over the last year. I understand. 
I understand. And Adam Gase is terrible. He's they're they're both equally as bad, and neither one of them deserves to be coaching in the NFL. And I hope that both of those organizations get new coaches. But somehow I think Matt Patricia keeps his job, which will be terrible, and the Lions will will continue to be in in this wasteland. But I saw that question come up today, and I went, hold on a second. Patricia's really freaking bad. Like he's really because you have to put it into context, the team that he took over a team that was winning nine games, a team with a lot of talent, and he ruined the team. Uh, Paige, you see, Belichick it. disciple. He, know, he knows how to oh, win yeah, football yeah, yeah. games. Belichick disciple. I've heard of that a freaking a thousand times. That dude doesn't know what the hell he's doing. That's just one of the one of the more enjoyable experiences that as a Bears fan is watching the Lions somehow be worse on offense with Matthew Stafford. It's it truly incredible putting up zero points against the Carolina Panthers. It's absolutely magical. Even Nick Foles uh, get a couple points. That's wow. that's what I'm saying. Wow. I'm like shit. I'm like we beat, we beat Carolina, man, on the road. Nick Foles fighting Nick Foles. Oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> Washington at Dallas Cowboys minus three. The afternoon game that Jamie is going to pound the table for because he's so hyped up about this game. I am. But Jamie, is this the one that's that's incorrect? No, I think okay. the next game is more incorrect. But um, I, I'm going to go with the underdogs here. I'm going to take Washington. I like points. it. Uh, look, everybody and their uncle that's ever watched a football game is going to put money on Dallas. Right? This is going to be the public. I, I can't wait to see what the ticket percentage is that comes out of <laughs> Vegas and comes out of the bet online and others on, on how, mu- how many tickets, not dollars, because we're not talking about sharp money, but just tickets. They're going to be on Cowboys on a primetime thing. I guess not primetime, but a, on a holiday Thanksgiving game. I liked what I saw from Andy Dalton last week. I loved what I saw from Zeke. I think this is going to be a competitive game. I think this is going to be a one-score game. I also think that if you watch the way this game was played, I know Kyle Allen was the quarterback for Washington when they played a few weeks back. They ran the ball down Dallas's throat. Antonio Gibson carved them up, and I think he will carve them up again here. Oh, and by the way, Andy Dalton was playing in that game and wasn't doing anything against that defense before he suffered that, that nasty hit from John Bostic that got him a concussion and led to all this other stuff that's happened and with COVID and we had Gucci Danucci and the ghost of Michael Irvin, whoever else was throwing footballs for the Dallas Cowboys team. Derek Gilbert. Washington was beating them up on both sides of the ball this last time. I think they're able to do that again. I think Dallas will be a little bit more competitive. I don't think this is going to be a 25-point victory like we saw or a 22-point victory like we saw when Washington won 25-3 to in Washington back in Week 7. But uh, I'm going to take Washington to take plus three here. They were two and a half earlier. I'm going to take them in the points. I think they can win this game, and I like that I get a, a field goal cushion just in case. Washington can score, right? And that's the thing here is they have the ability to score on offense. They have I the ability to run Dallas. the football. Well, right, yeah. and so add that in. They, they've, Washington has shown an ability to score, and they're playing a Dallas team that's atrocious, and you're giving me three points? Please and thank you, right? I mean, yeah. I know it's the NFC East. I know the game is going to be close in the fourth quarter because that's how these things normally work. But, yeah, everything points to Washington in this football game. Uh, I love it. I, I, give me the points in this one. Yeah, sign me up for Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick in this game. All over, all over this Dallas Cowboys defense. I think it's going to be a fun one. And as Jamie said, everyone and their mom will bet on Dallas. So we will go the other way. It's already happening. This yeah. yeah. line's moving. Guys. In, our, in, in Dallas, is, I guess in this case, depending on how you look at it, we all picked Washington. So I guess in our favor. Yeah, wait, because it'll probably go to four. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably going to work. Literally, it, it, it probably will because people are just dumb. It's amazing dumb. how quick dumb the, for Cowboys the Cowboys hype just, just oh, comes right back. Win one game 
and they're 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 three and seven. It's like I, it's so stupid. I don't want to talk about listen. them Cowboys. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm, we I'm, got, I'm we had to watch Skip, we had to watch Skip Bayless do his little dance. It was enough for a lifetime of Cowboys shenanigans. <laughs> As I watch Jamie do the dance. All right, Baltimore at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh four and a half point favorites in this one. Baltimore obviously going to be without a couple of their star players. We already talked about that as far as fantasy goes. We've already seen these two teams match up against each other once. This feels like desperation mode for the Baltimore Ravens, guys. And I know that that can sometimes can sometimes turn against the team that's playing very desperate. And this is a Pittsburgh Steelers team that is on cruise control right now. Four and a half point favorites. Obviously, they are not dealing with the same ailments that Baltimore is dealing with right now. Jamie, what are you feeling going into this one? I feel like this line is wrong. And in the case of the last game, it's you know there's a lot of public money on, on Dallas. So you, that line's going to keep going up, even though reality is, is Dallas shouldn't be anything more than a one-point favorite at best in that game. But you know what's going to happen because of where the money is. If we stripped away these team names and we just watched the players in the way that we saw this game, the Steelers should be touchdown favorites. Uh, I, I was shocked to see this line this low. The Ravens are not only playing bad football. There's one thing that they do pretty well still, not as good as last year, but pretty well, and that's run the football effectively. And they did that against Pittsburgh last time. And now they're without their top two guys. So that's going to hinder that game. They have shown no ability to move the ball downfield. Hollywood Brown is a no-show. Lamar Jackson's not throwing it downfield. They finally got Mark Andrews involved a little bit. Pittsburgh's going to get a little bit healthier in their front seven. They're playing better defense right now than Baltimore's playing more consistently. Their, their entire offense is getting involved. I hope Juju Smith-Schuster plays in this game. I know he aggravated that foot-stepping on the flag of the referee late in that game, and he's been dealing with that foot ailment for a while now. Uh, but to me, I just don't see anything that Baltimore's going to do in this game more effectively than Pittsburgh. I guess you could fall into the narrative of it's AFC North. This is always a field goal or three- or four-point game. They're always close. And I understand that, and I understand if that's why you want to shy away from this game or take the four and a half points that you're getting. But if you look at the way these two football teams have played this season, and particularly the last two or three weeks, you can't tell me the Steelers should be anything less than a touchdown favorite in this matchup at home. And by the way, which is an elimination game for the division, even though technically Baltimore's not winning that division, but I think this would be the official one because if Pittsburgh wins, they'll be five games up with the tiebreaker with five to play. And I would add to your point, Jamie, that – you mentioned stripping away the names and just looking at the team. You just look at the resume of what Lamar Jackson has done over two years. They struggle in these marquee big-time matchups. I don't care that it's an AFC North opponent. They struggle in these games. They just, for whatever reason, something doesn't go right. I don't know if it's the moment's too big or the game plan is too cute and they get behind the eight ball. I mean, heck, the, the last time these two teams met, it was almost doomsday right out of the gate. Uh, Lamar threw a pick six right at the beginning of the game. Right, so yeah. I've and seen blew, this. By the way, they blew a 10-point halftime lead. The Ravens walked into the halftime locker room against Pittsburgh up 17-7, to and then they stopped playing in the second half. Yep. It's, this, is a, this, this team's going to have a lot of question marks. The narratives, we talk about narratives on this podcast a lot. We do headlines every week to discuss on purpose. The headlines coming out of this game, 
are going to be really bad if Baltimore loses this football game. It's going to be – it's already borderline doomsday, but it's going to be off the radar if that is what happens coming out of this game. It's going to be very similar to how this game – I was watching this Tampa Bay game, and I'm going – Every show in America is going to be talking about this no matter what happens, right? With the two-minute drill, with Tom Brady, no matter what happens, he throws an interception. It's all we're going to hear about, except for the fact that we get three games on Thanksgiving, so the rotation's going to going to come around a little bit quicker. And this Baltimore team came in with much higher expectations than the Buccaneers. This was Super Bowl or bust, period. They came in as the favorite uh, next to the Chiefs. Like this was, we're going to win the division. We're going to, we're going to take the next step. We have to do this. It is what has to happen from Lamar Jackson. They're not only not going to get to that point, they're not going to win this division, which is way, way below what the expectations were for this year. And if they do lose this game on Thursday, I can't even find, and maybe Paige, you or Jamie can help me find it. I can't find the positive rosy spin. No, they got there blown out by one. the Titans in the playoffs. No, there isn't Every one. big game they no. play this year, they lose. Like, at what point do we transition? And I don't want to be reactionary, but we very quickly transition into, is this working with Lamar? Because in every one of these big games, they just they, something goes wrong. It has They're, to be that. It has to be that question because the, the bar is not to be this good. The bar is to, is to play well enough to win a Super Bowl. Well, we know what the bar is with Patrick Mahomes. Well, they already lost to that team. They already got blown out by that team earlier this year, okay? Then the the secondary bar is, okay, you got to be good enough to win this division. You lose two games to the to Pittsburgh, that puts you behind there again. Then you're looking over at your big brother, Tennessee, who knocked you in the face last year, already just knocked you in the face last week. So it's now you're going, okay, if we're not we're not only not where we want or think we should be, which is Patrick Mahomes level, we're not good enough to beat the team in our division and we're not good enough to beat the Tennessee Titans. Like we're middle of the road AFC, which yeah, is a no, no, tough thing to that's swallow. That's where they are. Like yeah. you might not, people don't want to hear that because they it's remember the last year, they're a middle of the road AFC team. This is a team that's going to win 10 games probably because they have a cakewalk after this for the rest of the season. And they're going to go on wild card weekend and they're going to lose again. They're going to be one and done for the third year in a row, and we're going to have to sit back and go. And I know Lamar Jackson is going to take a lot of heat, and he deserves some, but Greg Roman deserves a ton of heat for this season. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I don't this, and, and the decision to completely change up what you were doing from last year. And there's look when when you see these kind of changes, it's not one thing. It, it, it is a combination of a lot of different things that are happening. Their inability, they don't even run the same sets they ran last year. Like they don't run three tight end sets anymore because they they traded Hayden Hurst away, which they didn't have to do, by the way, but they did. They don't run three tight end sets anymore. They don't have traditional when Nick Boyle is out, they don't have a traditional blocking tight end. I mean, they they don't they when you have when you build a team in a non-traditional way, and, and this goes back to the conversation that we had on the show about, and I know I think you and Jake are who brought it up about like why running quarterbacks don't have a history of success. And not Quarterbacks that can run, running quarterbacks. There's a difference, and we've talked Big about that difference. a lot. Because the way you need to structure your team for them to have success, or the way or the traps that you fall into when you have a player like that, is not conducive team building for long term success. Last year, if Lamar Jackson didn't play like a super duper duper star, they didn't win. 
Like the, the, the team was not built to allow him to have a bad game. And when he had a bad game, which happened to be in the playoffs, it doomed them. And this year, there were a lot of average games from Lamar Jackson, and you're getting a very average record right yep. now. It's just their offense is uncreative. They're not, I know they lead the league in rushing, but they're not nowhere near as effective. I mean, last year they were blowing people away on the ground, and now they're, they're, it's still good, but it's not transcendent. They don't, have any, they don't have any trustworthy weapons outside of Mark Andrews, who's only going to play 60% of the snaps anyway. Like, I, it just, this team has a lot of flaws right now, and it's not, it's gonna, the people are going to pile on Lamar Jackson when, when the inevitable third one and none happens, but he is far from their biggest problem. No, far and, from and Jake brings it up a lot, right? It's, you're, you're looking at the situation and you're going, people catch up, right? And you got innovative, and you came back like last year, and you saw that, but then when it started to catch up with you, and then you, you had to go play smash, smash mouth football, you got knocked in the mouth. And that's the problem here, is that you can't, you have to be able to play that style of football in the AFC North, just to win this division. Because guess what? You have to beat, the threshold is, you have to beat the cream of the crop in your division first and foremost. Before you start talking about Super Bowls, before you start talking about everything else, the only reason you were where you were last year is because Ben Roethlisberger sat out for the season, period. Like, you needed that. You needed to be able to say, okay, we, we need to do what we need to do to beat the, be the team in the AFC North. Well, guess what? You can't knock that team in the mouth. And quite frankly, you might not be able to knock the Cleveland Browns in the mouth right now because Cleveland can run the damn ball and they will play nasty up front on both sides of the line. So the only saving grace here is they own Cleveland for whatever reason. They are so far in Cleveland's head. It's not. It's not even funny. But the reality is that doesn't. doesn't, I almost wonder, and I want to do a look back closer at the end of the year. But my initial reaction from watching them as much as I have is that it feels like. They've overcorrected from last yes. year. It's they like, we know we have to change, so let's make wholesale changes to stay in front of the league instead of making small changes. And they've completely – like if you watch the Baltimore Ravens team, watch them closely on Thursday if you haven't watched them this year, and go back and watch what they did last season. They are two completely different offenses on the field. And their personnel, the play calling, what they do with – it's compl- the, the numbers are the same. Aside from the offensive line, which is which is again an underrated issue for them because it's been a mess this year, uh, especially in recent weeks with injuries. But it's a complete. It, it felt like Greg Roman and and Ben Solak did a really good article for the DraftNetwork.com. I've already I promoted on the show before of looking at the mistakes that Greg Roman made with Colin Kaepernick late in the San Francisco run after they caught the league by storm, and some of the changes that he made that ultimately led to that offense going downhill. We're seeing that again. I almost wonder if they just overcorrected instead of saying, let's run it back and make small adjustments to what we did and trust Lamar's talent to get us where we need to go. And instead they're like, okay, the league adjusted to us. So now we have to completely change things. And now they have a broken offense that looks unfixable right now in the context of whether or not they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. I still think they make the playoffs. I still think they're going to lead the league in rushing, but that's not the context in which we viewed the Baltimore Ravens when the season began. It was Super Bowl or bust for them. It was at least win multiple playoff games or bust for them. And right now, is there anybody in the ASC that's going to be winning their division that you would pick them to go on the road and beat in somebody else's stadium right now in the AFC? I no. don't know no. if there is. No. 
And because right now it's most likely like I, I think they're going to be a 10 win team and there's a good chance they have to go to, to Pittsburgh or to Kansas city. L to open the, to open the, the postseason yeah, a wild a card weekend. Yeah, they're not winning those games. No, if they lose this game on Thursday, they might be the seventh best team in the AFC. Mm-hmm. I would take obviously the Kansas city and Pittsburgh in front of them, but then Buffalo, Indy, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and Cleveland, I think I'd put in front of them. Yep. Where do you put the Raiders? I mean, and that's, I, that's another great Raiders. point, Jamie. You could put the Raiders in there as well. And if they, I mean, I, I would still pick them to be better than the Dolphins. Um, that's the one yep. team I'm comfortable saying that they're absolutely better than. I think the yep. Dolphins are good. I just, I think they're they're a year away. Like as yep. I said on the show yesterday, I still think they're a year away because I don't think Tua is just going to you know turn into Justin Herbert overnight, which is what what a sentence that is, by the way. But it, it's just like love to I'm see just, it. I, I'm just unenthused by this Baltimore team. Again, this is another team with too much freaking talent to be playing the way they're playing. Yep. It's just, but they deserve. Weird... I mean, they deserve their record. Like you, you can't watch this team and say this is anything more than a nine or ten win ball team right now. No, they're they're not. They're, this is a mediocre team. Like if their if their schedule wasn't as cupcake as it was, and quite frankly, if Joe Burrow was playing in the game where they have to face off against Cincinnati, I don't know what that's going to look like. Like yeah, they're they got they got lucky now that that's that that's the scenario that's going to play out for them. And that schedule we're talking about, by the way, because I referenced it a bunch. It's it's home against the Cow. This is after the Pittsburgh game. It's home against the Cowboys on Thursday night. Um, then they have a Monday night game in Cleveland, which is going to be a tough game for them. They just they just beat Cleveland by five touchdowns every time they play. That's the only thing that concerns me. Uh, Baker Mayfield cannot complete a pass against against Baltimore for whatever reason. Then they go home against Jacksonville, home Win. against the Giants, which is a tough game, but a very winnable game at home. And then they end the season at the Bengals with Ryan Finley. So that's four wins. That's uh, yeah, and I didn't I even give them the Cleveland wins. game. I don't think so. Yeah. I'll give. I'll say they'll get one of Cleveland, New York. New York. Cleveland. Yeah, I think they're right. going to lose one of those. So, and let's give them a loss with the Steelers. It's six and that's ten and six. Like that's where I think they are, and that's probably going to be good enough. You'll be able to be the seventh seed at ten and six, and then you're going to get your doors blown off by Kansas City or Pittsburgh. And we'll have to enjoy. You know, I, I just enjoy. I mean, that's that's where you are. A marked change in this team over the next few weeks, and I just I just don't see it. No, I don't see it happening. It's not this team. This team's going to have a lot of question marks to answer at the end of the season. They're they're we're too far along. There's not there's not enough time. We got a month left. A month and some change left of football. And they're trending like down. Yeah, you're yeah. not you're not talking about you got enough time to find your identity. That's that's why these question marks that we talked about with Tampa up at the top. That's why those question marks are just as glittering because it's November twenty third. Like it, this is not, we're not talking about the end of September, early October, even midway point of October. We're talking about the end of November. We're approaching December. It's Thanksgiving week. Like this, you don't have enough time to get, it's, you don't have get right games, guys. Like it's going to f- freaking snow here tomorrow. Yeah, of course. Oh, you're not with you guys, but I'm going to wake no, up to snow in not. Chicago. It's that time of year. It's, if you haven't, this is the time of year where if there's a team that starts to get hot, like I start, but you don't see a team that's been dipping all of a sudden start to get hot unless they get like a bunch of guys back from injuries. That's not the issue for Baltimore. Like to me, it's the, this is the time of year we start looking at, okay, does Tennessee turn things around? Does Indy keep the train rolling? Does we're looking at like, those are the teams in the AFC right now that I have my eye on uh, Cleveland a little bit as well, though. I just, I still can't get the Clevelandness out of my mind. In fact, I still don't buy into Baker Mayfield with all due, you know, no, I still don't buy into it yet, but this is the time of year where teams start to turn it on and make those runs, and Baltimore's going the other way right now. 
And it's just, yeah. it's like, they're going to make the playoffs. I would be surprised. I'd be really surprised if they're not in the wild card, one of those wild card spots, either it's the, the six or the seven seed by the time we get to the end of the season. But again, a third straight one and done is not where you're going. And it just, I don't know where you go from here with this team. We shall see. We shall see. That's why they play the game. So I'm looking forward to seeing right. whether or not this uh, this team, yeah, go prove us wrong. But I, I don't anticipate being wrong about this one uh, as we approach these big Thanksgiving matchups on Thursday. All right, guys, we've reached the end of the podcast. Shub, yes. why don't you tell everybody how they can follow you on social media? Uh, at Shoe Radio, as I continue to uh, embark on my TD and takeover of every show that is done <laughs> on the platform. Uh, I've done two show, three shows today, so we're getting close. Uh, and that is where I give you all of the... Oh, the high train. That is where they are at on Twitter, at Shoe Radio. That's S-C-H-U Radio, yes. correct? Yeah, yeah just spell it out for the people. That. Make it easy on them, Chris. Sorry, All right, sorry, come everybody. on. Come Not on now. Yep, nope. Yeah, that was a mistake, Jamie. All right, Jamie, how can everybody follow you? You can follow me at Jamie Eisner. Just guess at the spelling. It's going to be wrong. So it's J-A-I-M-E Eisner on Twitter. Uh, and uh, my final thought quickly before we, we sign off on this is I'm really – I'm really thankful for these three games. I think it's going to be – look, this has been a trying year for everybody, um, and I know a lot of circumstances because of the virus and everything, not everybody's going to get to celebrate it like they normally would have. But uh, I'm excited that we are going to get three games uh, this Thursday that we're going to have the opportunity to watch two really good football games. Like Houston-Detroit going to suck, but that's fine. But Washington-Dallas is going to be a close game with major playoff implications. As, much as, as bad as those teams' records are, it's a major implication – and there's nothing that's going to happen in Baltimore-Pittsburgh that's not going to be headline news. There's yep. not a one thing in that game that's not going to be a headline. So enjoy it. Uh, and hopefully uh, you have a, a safe, a healthy, and a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, and my hot take, my food hot take that I'll get out of the way is that here it is. I know. I'm just throwing this in. I snuck this into the betting article, but I will. I will give this to you guys a couple days in advance because of the loyal listeners of the show. Uh, is that? And I think this is going to make Paige's head explode. Uh, is that the cranberry sauce from a can? Three greater than signs, homemade. Jesus Christ, Jamie. Three, three greater than signs. Yeah. No. Don't you family feud me? Christ, Christ Don't you family feud me, Schubert? These are the types of things that make me Tweet question us, my friendship. Tweet at TDN Fantasy on Twitter. What, what, is, what is your – whatever your Thanksgiving food hot take is. We don't have our old friend AK on the show who just says everything is trash. Oh, God. Get that out of here. Get that out of here. But what is, what is your Thanksgiving – do you have a Thanksgiving food hot take? Send it to us. We'll, we'll talk about these on the show at some point. Maybe we'll talk about – you know what we'll talk about that? We'll talk about it on our live our On our live, live show. show. we do. Yes. A good, 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 good sit back. We'll have a couple of mighty swells. We'll have a really good conversation about uh, – and on very full stomachs. Yes. Uh, what the what our Thanksgiving food hot takes are, and if we change our mind based on whatever we have Thursday night, I will tell you mine as I head out here, and I will set the internet on fire as I have oh, earlier. No. Turkey is garbage. Oh no! I said it. I this mean, is this is these are the facts, people. If you're so, if you grow if you grow up in the Demacos household, and Yaya is is your grandmother, she says. And she says in her cute Greek accent, turkey is for the birds, okay? And she, she says it every year and she, as she cooks a absolutely delectable prime rib. And do not tell oh, oh, me on. in any hemisphere, in any time in your life that you are telling me you're going to eat a damp turkey nice. over prime rib. You're lying. That's not true. And 
throw all your whatever BS things you think about Thanksgiving, throw them out the window and just have what you want to eat. These are my, these are my hot, these is, this is my hot take. You, can yeah. just tra- you both just trashed the two vital parts of Thanksgiving. <laughs> you well, can't well, do that. No, thanks, Chris. Thanksgiving is the friends we made along the way. But no, the the important thing here is, is as we now are like in like double overtime of this show and we're all loopy here. So, no, you would never pick turkey over prime rib under, under any circumstances ever. Yes. But I, I think turkey is like the L.A. Chargers of this right now because if you get a nice juicy like dark meat piece of totally agree yep there are some justin herberts inside of the turkey structure that make you go damn like maybe i don't want the whole thing but i can build my dinner plate around that piece (laughs) and i think that's what a good the dark meat section of a good turkey would be. It's the Justin Herbert. It is the 350 yards and three touchdowns of a team that's going to lose by eight points to everybody in the NFL. That is what that is to me. So I think you, you can find bright spots in the turkey meal, but no, nobody, like as great as Justin Herbert is, I'm going to pick Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, that's and, right, prime, Chiefs and prime ribs every time, but that's, that's a Christmas a- thing. Like in my family, it's always been like the prime rib gets broken out for Christmas. Yeah, see, yeah, and yeah. Ham on Thanksgiving and the prime rib on the Christmas. This is what happens when your family's ethnic, okay? They throw all your American rules out the, out the window. Yeah, yeah, just goes, I'm cooking what I want, and nobody's fighting her. She's 87 years old. Who the hell am I to tell Who her? Who tell her which, not to? That's exactly right. And so I was like, you know what? I'm in with the prime rib here, yeah, yeah. And so I fight people every year, but I totally love the analogy, Jamie. You can build your plate. You can build your plate around a Justin Herbert. I can deal with the dark meat, juicy piece of turkey if you, mm-hmm. if you cook it well, right? I, yes, you know, yes. We will be eating turkey on Thanksgiving as we always do. And I will continue to fight everybody about it. And I, then they will tell me that this is just what we have to do. And I will tell everybody I don't have to do anything. I can do whatever I want and I can have whatever meal I want. And, they, and everybody will kind of look at me sideways and go, you know – I never really thought about it that way. And I was like, see, yeah. this is what happens. This is like the day, the moment I tell you, you can have cake on any day. It doesn't need yeah. to be your birthday. You can eat cake any day of the week. Changes sure, your adult, life. damn it. But like, and also like, like if, if you know, like the way around turkey preparation, it, this, this analogy works even better because the way you get to that piece, the way you cook, they get that, the way you cook the turkey to get that perfect dark meat piece, it all starts with an injection. Without the injection, you don't get the dark meat. <laughs> we have absolutely lost it, totally off the rails. Chris, aren't you? Did you miss us, pal? Man, like this I'm is questioning God. my friendship with both of you <laughs> as we close the show. The show is officially over. You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram. Please, please send us all your. Thanksgiving food hot takes. We will review them. We will make Schubert bring them on the show on Friday and review all these hot takes and make him shake his head so you guys can all see it on video. It'll be phenomenal. He's going to be really pissed off. Jamie and I are going to be laughing. It's really going to make for some great overall radio. We hope you guys enjoy your Thanksgiving. We will talk with you soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.